Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. Secure Talk is brought to you by Adequest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'll be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. Today, we're going to be talking with Dmitry Nebarovsky, who is the co-founder and COO of Atacama. Atacama is a data security company that provides file-level encryption, um, and we're going to talk about that. But first, uh, Dimitri, how are you today? I'm great. Thank you for being here, for, for having me here. I'm excited yeah. to be here. <laughs> Likewise. Hey, um, where are you at? So I'm in Midtown Manhattan. I'm actually, we're back in the office, and we have, uh, I would say, about you know, a few stragglers here. So about 25% of the office is back here. That's, that's excellent. Um, you know, I'm on the opposite coast, and I, I'm not sure if you heard, but we just had two of the hottest days, well, the two hottest days in history, well, recorded history here in Seattle. Um, and previously, I think the record was 103. We broke that on Sunday. And yesterday we were up, depending on whose numbers you look at, up in the 109, 110 uh, degree range. It was crazy. How are things back there? Same. I don't think really? we're breaking records, but it feels like we are, you know, so it's, uh, it's a steam box out there and it's probably more humid than where you guys are. So it's pretty unbearable outside, even in the shade. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I mean, air conditioning is kind of a, a requirement and it's funny cause I grew up here and, and never thought about having an air conditioner. And yesterday I was calling around, who's got air con, who's got air con. And a lot of restaurants were, were either shut down or their AC systems were maxed out. Cause they're just not, you know, it's not like they're Phoenix, uh, you know, type operations right. or something like that. So it's interesting to see how people adapt. Um, but Hey, tell me a little bit, uh, about, you know, Atacama and, uh, how you became a, a co-founder because from what I understand you, were previously an attorney. So how I, did... I, I am a recovering attorney okay. I've been <laughs> for about 3,682 days. I do have a sponsor and not to diminish, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the, the benefits of being a lawyer. Um, you, you know, it, it was in definitely a circuitous path. Uh, and those people who know lawyers know that lawyers tend not to be technical, right? That they, they, they tend to be very, um, logical and, and things need to be mapped out. And when it comes to tech, um, law firms tend to be laggards, right? Uh, and it was funny, uh, my first job out of law school, um, you know, working with, uh, older attorneys, uh, and given the fact that I knew how to run an Excel spreadsheet, put together a PowerPoint deck. Um, I was tagged as the technical guy, right? Give it to Dimitri. Dimitri knows everything about tech. And when I started my career, it was really around when e-discovery, electronic discovery was becoming a thing, right? Yeah. Prior to that, you literally had warehouses of paper. And in the early aughts, uh, it started changing, right? And morphing to things being on disk. And when I say disk, I really mean a CD. Right. Uh, so for the millennials out there, that was like a you know, a thing uh, that people <laughs> used. Um, then it actually moved over to DVD, which had a lot more storage capacity, but even that in today's uh, day and age is antiquated. Um, and it was interesting, you know, being around e-discovery at a time when it was becoming um, important from a, a multitude of reasons, right? Uh, if you think about cybersecurity, um, you know, uh, again, going back to law firms, law firms never had a security professional on staff. And if you think about law firms and the amount of information that they're, uh, you know, that they receive on a daily basis, it's astounding, right? right. That, you know, cybersecurity is just not a focus for them. Uh, that, that has certainly changed these days. But, um, you know, it, it, so, so the way that my career progressed, um, you know, I started 
literally in the dot-com boom and bust period, right? So always enamored by technology and, and how technology plays a role in our environment. And, you know, fast forward to around 2012, 2013, I got enamored by cryptocurrency. Um, really one, one, one of the early, what I would say, buttoned up guys to the space because uh, in New York, there was a, a hub of cybersecurity enthusiasts and um, it's actually where I met my co-founder. Uh, and that's because um, when you would attend those conferences, most people look like they worked out of their parents' basement, uh, right? Or, or were just graduating high school. Um, and there were a few people that were, you know, quote, institutional, right? Meaning they, they wore a suit and tie to the office, right? When people mm -hmm. still did that. And we congregated, right? It was sort of like, you know, natural, you know, we spoke the same language, but very enamored by that technology, uh, blockchain technology specifically as it relates to Bitcoin. And, um, you know, as we, we, we started conversations, we, you know, understood the benefits of the Bitcoin blockchain. And the fact that you're able to use private public key pairings to really secure what today is trillions of dollars of, of, of value, right? right. Um, electronically, right? And, and if you think about that, that's a huge leap away from the way that most value is stored. Most value is stored through intermediaries, right? And it works out fine for us, right? I trust JP Morgan. I trust the banks. They're not going to abscond with my money. But at the end of the day, knowing that there's a technology out there that you as the holder can control, there's something to that fundamentally. Um, and so fast forward, the way that Atacama was founded really was on that public-private key pairing. Um, really, fundamentally. Uh, and, and, and what we said to ourselves was, well, why can't we apply that to passwords? Mm -hmm. Right. And we did. And that was really how Atacama was born, because at the end of the day, splitting keys is what the underpinnings of our technology is. And distributing those keys out to physical devices is really the future, as opposed to the way most uh, folks, individuals, whether they're you know just regular consumers or cybersecurity professionals, think about um, security or anything that you know, relates to usernames, passwords, credentials, things of that nature, right? It's all centralized. And what, the way we come about it is to decentralize it. So that was really how we founded Atacama. And the first product that we brought to market was encryption built on distributed key management. Okay. So let's go back to 2014. You're, you're in uh, New York and you're meeting with these Bitcoin blockchain enthusiasts. And uh, I, I'm assuming you met you, you, your future co-founder through this organization or right. at least somebody to help you kind of uh, mature your idea. Um, you know, blockchain is a lot more technical than an Excel spreadsheet. Um, and some of the other things that you've been working on, um, you know, e-discovery is as essentially as these days is, you know, you, you scan millions of documents and you use some type of uh, OCR solution and then, and then some type of uh, solution to go through and identify all the information. It's like, it's a bit more technical. Um, mm -hmm. And, in, but how did you, how did, how did you in the beginning, you know, you had this idea, Hey, we can use this somehow. Um, how long did it take you? And what was the process to kind of develop the solution that you were going to found Atacama on? Yeah. So, you know, uh, for the record, I did take my first coding class in eighth grade. So I always oh, okay. love, okay. <laughs> uh, you know, tech. And, uh, what's interesting is I guess somewhere along the lines, I lost my way, went to business school, went to law school but always love tech. And the one thing that lawyers are great at is absorbing information, right? Mm -hmm. um, that's what they teach you. And they teach you very effectively to learn, to pick up, to absorb. And 
when you when you read something that you know piques your curiosity as an individual, um, you explore it, right? You delve deep into it. And what's interesting is the first product we actually brought to market was something that actually, and to be clear, Atacama has nothing to do with the blockchain technology except for being inspired by that blockchain technology, gotcha. right? So we don't run on blockchain. But the first product that we brought to market, which was around 2015, was an identity solution that did run on the Bitcoin blockchain. And it was phenomenal, right? It was this really cool solution. And at the time, there was this enthusiasm around blockchain technology. And my co-founder and I both, uh, you know, we, I basically represented Wall Street firms. He's uh, an analyst that comes from the hedge fund space. So all of our contacts were on Wall Street. And we started knocking on doors and saying, hey, we have this really interesting product that runs on um, blockchain technology. And at the time, uh, folks were like, oh, my God, you have an actual functioning product. Right. And this is really exciting. And then we're like, great. So would you be interested in a proof of concept? You know, would you be interested in potentially in purchasing this product? And as as enthusiastic as they were on the flip side, there was this incredible hesitancy, right? Because you have these regulated entities, perhaps the most regulated entities in the world. And we were asking them to use a product that ran on specifically the Bitcoin blockchain. And so on the one hand, they were incredibly excited for a product that actually ran on blockchain. But on the flip side, they were like, yeah, we can't sell this internally. It's the Bitcoin blockchain, you know, right. uh, OFAC and things of that nature. And you have miners in China and North Korea <laughs> and God knows where. No way we can get this approved internally. So that really caused us to reevaluate. And as a startup, you know, one of the things that you're really able to do is be dexterous and be able to pivot. Um, and, and we sat down to ourselves. And what was interesting, when we had these conversations with these professionals at these various banks, um, we also mentioned that, look, you know, it's an identity product that's built on Bitcoin blockchain. But one of the one of the features we're also going to have is encryption uh, built on, on on our distributed key management uh, solution. And they would all to a T kind of say, oh, tell me about that. That's really interesting. Right. So we, we understood that there was a problem around cybersecurity and object level encryption. And that's where we said to ourselves and really had an epiphany moment where we sat down and said, OK, the challenges of selling Bitcoin blockchain, which is a real blockchain technology as opposed to some of these others that are private blockchains, which really is a distributed database um, and doesn't doesn't bring any security to the table. Um, but, uh, you know, we said to ourselves, OK, what can we do with the underlying distributed key management part of this, but not have to rely on the Bitcoin blockchain? And so that's where we discovered, uh, you know, an encryption solution, which really morphed into where we are today which is, again, it's inspired by the Bitcoin blockchain given its distributed nature, but you do, not, you do not need the blockchain in order for it to function effectively. So instead of using the blockchain, we basically split the keys out on physical devices. And that, that was really the epiphany, the aha moment, and uh, what brought us where we are today. Okay, so, um, and, and why don't you walk us through the, a, a couple use cases of your, um, your solutions right now? So um, let me take it a step back and, and, and tell you why, uh, it, you know, we solve for the quote encryption problem. Sure. Encryption as a solution, as a uh, technology is pretty darn good, right? You encrypt something and you're preventing a third party who shouldn't have access to the information from being able to access it, right? And that's really what encryption is. Unfortunately, encryption is complicated and complex to an end user. And so the way that uh, most encryption solutions solve for that problem is they connect encryption to identity and access management controls. What that means is 
I, as the user, I log into my computer, whether I'm using some MFA or SSO, whatever the case may be, I've authenticated myself to the network, to the system. And that's great from a user standpoint, because now anything that's encrypted and is available to me as the authorized user is instantly available to me, right? This, it's yeah. just completely transparent. There's nothing I need to do as the user. Awesome from a UX UI standpoint. From a security standpoint, not so great. Why? Because if my credentials are compromised, which by the way, most of the attacks we continuously read in the headlines, they're the result of compromised credentials, right? Um, and if my credentials are compromised and the adversary is able to convince the network system that they are the quote authorized user, well, now that adversary has everything available to them wholesale. With our solution, we are by design disconnected from any identity and access management controls. We are, do not rely on any federated identity-based solution, no roots of trust-based solutions, right? So, uh, you know, it, our security guarantee is if a user's credentials are compromised, anything encrypted by Atacama remains encrypted. And, and, and this is why. So instead of using that username and password, what we do is we encrypt each file, right? Each file with its own unique encryption key. And we utilize AES-256, which is, you know, NIST standard military grade encryption algorithm. Uh, we just repurposed it for our solution. And when each file gets its own encryption key, the software intelligently splits that key up into pieces, key shards, and distributes those key shards across physical devices controlled by the user. So the normal deployment uh, at an organization is a key shard lives in the file itself, right? And a key shard resides on the Atacama mobile app running on the user's smartphone. So from a user's standpoint, it looks and feels very much like a multi-factor, right? Where they're using their phone to unlock a file. Right. But behind the scenes, the cryptographic engine that allows that to happen is incredibly secure because now an adversary not only has to compromise my credentials, break into my computer, get into my system, they also now need to hack another of my devices, which is the smartphone. Not impossible, right? There's no such thing as impossible when it comes to cybersecurity, but a hell of a lot more complex and really not the attack that's being perpetrated these days when you have the adversary sitting 6,000 miles away. Very difficult to hack into multiple devices belonging to the same user. Uh, and that's because there's no interoperability of key shards. So we really changed the attack surface and made it a hell of a lot more complex for an adversary to be able to compromise a system and attack files and exfiltrate those files if they are encrypted at the object file level. So okay. oh, I, your question was some use cases. Well, so, let me let me just yeah, just, just, just just confirm. Um, so and and you know I, I noticed on your your website one of the the the, the phrases or terms that you used was um, multi-factor encryption, which typically it's multi-factor authentication, multi-factor uh, uh, encryption. And if I get this correctly, um, regardless of where the file is, I'm going to well, you tell me if the I have a file. Um, it's been encrypted. In order for me to unencrypt it, I need both my identity and a device. Us. So it, it could be the device that you sent it on, or do I always does it always, does it always come through my phone? I always need the authenticator or the authentication app on my phone. Is that? You always need with our uh, design. You always need a minimum of two devices. Okay, and right. and then 
and am I okay now now walk me through how it actually works am I going to get a code yep. or something like that or an, an approval request or something like that so you, you typically yeah. walk through okay yeah exactly right so you we, we, by the way we go where the files are so the files can be stored locally on-prem in the network uh, any of the major cloud providers uh, private cloud whatever the case may be we are platform agnostic right so whichever way you access your files you continue to access your files except now they have a little lock lock icon a badge and it's a right. visual cue to designate to the user that hey this file is locked and when the user goes to open up the file, they double click on it as they normally would. Doesn't automatically open up. Instead, they get that push notification to the Atacama mobile app running on their phone. Mm -hmm. And when they see the, the pop-up, it's from a security standpoint, this is important, it's asking them to approve the opening event for that specific file. So they know exactly what's going on there. When they tap that big green button, they're sending back a piece of the sheet key shard to their computer where the decryption key is reconstituted and the file is decrypted. Right, so that's the user experience to decrypt one file. Now, depending on the policy that the company wants to uh, I'm just going to ask you about that. Yeah, <laughs> they don't have to be as restrictive as to require right. tap to approve for every single file. We get it. We live in a practical world. There's always that counterbalance between security on the one hand, usability on the other, and so we've introduced some flexibility into the process. And instead of tapping that big green button, they can long hold that big green button and launch a session window. Right, where for example, you can open up the next 100 files over eight hours. The Apple one on the phone, the user does not have to affirmatively tap approve for every single file. Um, now, what's interesting is if you ask our security professionals, you know, our engineers on staff who build the, uh, the, the software, they hate that. They're like, no, everyone should tap approve for every single file, right? Um, because yeah, but ask, ask them if they uh, if they want to uh, get a pro every time that they want uh, elevated admin rights, do they want to do it or do they want to have a window of opportunity? And most of the time they'll do just in time and say, hey, man, I'm going to be working on this. I want global admin for the next four hours. I don't want to do it task by task by task. Yeah. But, I, you know, we get we get what they're saying there. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's philosophical in a way, but I get it and we appreciate it. But, you know, but um, the, the point is you always want to. Find, you know, like we, we get the question of, oh, well, why can't you automate the process? And the reason why you don't want to automate the process is as soon as you automate it, you've removed all of the security in the system because anything that's automated can be socially engineered or can be attacked. Whereas that inconvenience of having to tap your phone, that's the security. That's the, that's what changes us or differentiates us from everyone else. I, I totally get that. What about automation in terms of uh, document type detection or sensitive information detection? So if there's any PII or any, uh, uh, you know, social security numbers, I mean, so there's there's uh, ways that you can detect that and then auto force a certain policy, for example. Does, your, does Atacama support that type of uh, functionality? It absolutely does. And in fact, we work uh, one of our um, best use cases uh, and where we're seeing the most traction right now is when Atacama is bolted onto an existing data discovery and classification tool, right? And those tools are out there. They're scanning the environment. They're looking for the PII. They're looking for that sensitive information. They're appending labels to the files, right? right. Call it, you know, sensitive. Uh, we read those labels and we can instantly pursue into policy and with no subjectivity on the part of the user, instantly encrypt that file wherever it is. So a user, you know, goes to their folder and all of a sudden they see a bunch of files that have lock icons on them and others that don't, right? And who cares about those others because they don't have anything that's sensitive in them. But the ones that do, now they're instantly protected. So it's a great one-two punch, right? You have the one software uh, out there looking for the information that is at risk and then you have the other tool which is instantly pursuant to policy protecting that information. 
Excellent. Um, are you, are, you mentioned that you work with other, you know, data detection or data loss prevention or the, the tools that help you kind of identify the, the type of data and, and the policies that are attached. Um, are, does that include Office 365, the tools that um, are that Microsoft kind of wraps around O365? Yes. So if, uh, if the organization has an E5 or an E7 license, as an example, uh, that means they have available to them Microsoft's information protection um, feature which is a cool feature. Um, the only negative is it only uh, applies to Microsoft Office files, uh, which is a little bit of a disadvantage, but still, uh, yeah, we work perfectly with Microsoft Information Protection. So to the extent, uh, you know, that tool appends a, a label to a file, we can encrypt it in place. Excellent. Well, today, uh, it sounds like an, an amazing technology and uh, something that, I mean, why not, right? <laughs> why, why wouldn't you yeah. have this? Uh, how does it, do you have any type of, I mean, I'm just, I'm kind of thinking ahead here. Um, you know, one of the, <clears throat> the biggest threats right now is ransomware attacks, right? And so are there any applications where since the document is encrypted, um, are, you, are you able to prevent or are you able to kind of facilitate a, a restoration or backup if the system, you know, is, uh, has been compromised? Yeah. So we will never, we're not, we're not going to, prevent the attack. The attack is going yeah. to happen, right? Here's what we do prevent, however. With Atacama, it, it is a, a virtually impossible for the adversary to wholesale exfiltrate the Atacama encrypted files, right? The worst they can do is if they're eavesdropping on someone's computer and the user opens up the file, then yeah, they'll be able to grab that one file, right? But because Atacama by default, everything is just at rest encrypted, right? The adversary is going to break into the system and start exfiltrating, stealing the files, right? And as soon as they do that and they try to open them, it's the ciphertext encrypted version of the file. So we mitigate those attacks completely. And we do so in such a way where we can provide certain security guarantees that no other vendor out there can, right? So a lot of those attacks that we see where um, you know, they're not just locking up the file and saying, hey, you know, you need to give it, you need to give me five Bitcoin and I'll give you the decryption key. They're stealing the information because they, they've become a lot more sophisticated and understand that, you know, you not being able to access your files. Yeah, that stinks. But the threat of me publishing your client right. information online, that's going to sting a lot worse. Right? right. And the stakes are a lot higher when it's like, oh, man, this is information that was entrusted to me. And now I've let it, you know, leave our doors, even though I've been attacked, you know, I'm the, uh, you know, in, in this scenario that the victim, no one cares, right? right? Now I need to do what I need to do, which is pay the Bitcoin. And hopefully that guy loses the files. But once they're out there, they're out there. We, we mitigate that, meaning the only thing that the attackers will uh, be able to steal is the encrypted ciphertext version of the file. So um, it's a use case that we're seeing a lot of. Unfortunately, we're seeing it. Um, you know, from victims, meaning companies that were hit and now yeah. are looking for a re remediation and, um, you know, products like ours that can prevent it from happening again. Excellent. Okay. Uh, well, tell, tell me a little bit about your, your business model and, and your, how do you engage with prospective customers, uh, you know, POC or just a simple demo? I mean, how, how does it work? Yeah. So we have a terrific marketing and sales team. And, uh, you know, we work uh, exclusively with the channel. So we have Ingram Micro as our national distributor. And then we have a bunch of reseller partners across the United States and elsewhere. Um, so we don't sell directly. 
but we will, you know, do the lion's share of the heavy lifting. We'll do the demo for the client, you know, if it's an inbound. Um, and then as soon as they're ready to buy or POC, then we will hand them over to the reseller partner. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's usually how the, you know, the, the, the channel works. Um, or if, uh, you know, it's inbound through uh, one of our reseller partners, you know, we'll likely do the demo, the initial first touch and sort them out with the POC. Um, and then ultimately the sale will be consummated through the reseller. Excellent. Um, you know, one of the concerns when you uh, adopt any kind of new device level uh, security measure, anything, uh, is the user experience and that change management. It doesn't sound like too heavy of a process, but um, do you have any programs in place or best practices to kind of facilitate the rollout? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it, 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 believe it or not, it's, it, it, like that question right there comes up, uh, you know, a lot you know, too often because whenever there's a change, people uh, don't like change, right? That's just in our nature. Um, mm-hmm. I don't care what it is. No one likes change, right? Because everyone's fearful of the unknown. Um, I would equate our solution, you know, if uh, 15, 20 years ago when the MFA guys were knocking on the door of companies and saying, hey, look, uh, your password management solution right now, the fact that you, you require a you know, password and username is not sufficient. You need to be using a second factor. Here's this little token that your users are going to have, right? And they're going to carry it around on the keychain. And then when they log in, there's going to be a little code here that they need to enter. Um, you know, those guys were getting laughed out of the building, uh, you know, uh, for a slew of reasons. Uh, you know, fast forward to today, and that token is now a soft token, right? It runs on the phone. And I think a lot of users and a lot of those MFA guys did a fantastic job reconditioning users to know that they have to use their phone when it comes to interacting, you know, with their systems at work. And that's the norm. That is the future. And so we always, you know, get that question and, you know, the hesitancy is like, oh, man, you know, my users, they really they hate me already. You know, I make them do this, that and the other thing. They just want to get to work and, you know, get 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 into their computer and do whatever they're, they they need to do. You know, that extra step this is going to be so annoying. Um, you know, once you start using our software, it's very similar to that 2FA um, feel right, so people know what it is. There's really no training required. You, you see the, the 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 lock on 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 the icon, and you're using your phone to unlock it. Users don't even need to know what's happening on the back end. The fact that there's encryption, and it becomes very intuitive. You see that aha moment. You see that light bulb go on. You see the 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 eyes open up and you're like, oh, I get this. I get exactly what's happening here. And in in some respects, when they start using it, it empowers them, right? Because they know that the file is locked until they are interacting with it. And there's something to that, right? That, that, that empowerment that it's like, hey, the bad guy can't get into this thing because I have the, the, the key on my phone. Sure, sure. And <clears throat> can you uh, t- maybe take a step back? I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit about your you know, journey from, um, you know, you had this idea um, and you co-founded a company. How did you go out into the market and find, you know, uh, funding and what was that process like? Yeah, so um, the the initial funding, believe it or not, was uh, the initial funding was in 2014, mm-hmm. um, and that, and that was for a completely different business, which was you know uh, it, it had to do with Bitcoin and blockchain, and since then we've pivoted twice, right? And that's just the nature of startup land. You see the opportunity, you pivot. Since then, we've gotten some infusion of uh, uh, additional capital from some angels. 
um, some convertible notes, uh, founder money. Um, and uh, we are probably going to raise at some point this year. We timed the raise, which would be the equivalent to, I guess, a Series A. Uh, uh, we timed it to coincide with revenue, right? We want the best valuation we could possibly get. We have revenue now. We have customers that we can tout. You know, these are Fortune 500, some are multinational corporations. Uh, so we're quite proud of our customer base. It continues to grow. Um, and actually, we're introducing an individual consumer version in the coming weeks where anyone in the world can just download the software and begin using it for free. Um, you know, and our philosophy is security is important. Uh, you know, a product like ours, uh, you know, should be utilized by individuals. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll generate our revenue from the businesses and offer the, the software for free to individuals. Excellent. Um, and did you feel that going out in, in you know getting your initial funding were there any unique aspects to doing that in the cybersecurity space any any particular questions or concerns that um, are were were you are unique to this space or is that is the is the process more or less the same for all technology startups i i think the process is more or less the same you know for seed capital it's the idea right is yeah. the idea you know interesting or not i think uh more often than not with cybersecurity i think it's more challenging because it's a very noisy space right yeah. it's a very um commoditized space in a way uh if you look at you know who provides cybersecurity solutions the um the startups that tend to do well in the cybersecurity space they're coming at it from a different mindset right they're coming at it from a different point of view and they're disruptive Right, they're 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 bringing something to the table that up until now uh, the security professionals have not been aware of. Right, and more often than not, uh, and I don't want it to sound like you know it's a solution looking for a problem. It's really changing the mindset, the messaging of how to look at the problem and attacking it in a different way. So I would say that you know if you're coming out with a cybersecurity solution that is consumer based, I think you would have an easier time than a cybersecurity solution that is uh, business B2B based. And that's because uh, you know, adoption by consumers, it's easier to get the adoption, right? In a lot of respects, if you market it the right way, if you're bringing a product uh, into the market that is you know, potentially solving a pain point for individuals. With businesses, I think it's harder to demonstrate the value proposition, right, as a startup. Um, unless, you know, you're from Israel and, uh, you know, you've, you've started and exited, you know, a bunch of companies in the past, in which case it's a blank check process. That's it. That's interesting. Uh, any, I mean, I, I was going to ask you if any advice for people in similar positions launching a startup inside of cybersecurity, but I think you kind of already gave the advice there. You have to identify, you come at it from a different, different angle. Um, and probably, I mean, g going B to C might be an option as well. You didn't, you went B to B first. Yeah. Um, I, I would assume that securing a, 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 a distribution agreement with Ingram or a, a company like that is a, is a huge win for you. For sure, you know, um, getting uh, in place with Ingram, you know, it gives you a sense of gravitas. Uh, you know, then when you're speaking to the reseller partners, it makes it a hell of a lot more easier to enter into agreements with them because then you're not negotiating one-on-one, -on -one, right? And that's the benefit. You know, the um, the speed to market is just there. They do a phenomenal job with pricing and making sure that you have everything in place in order, you know, to be able to actually close uh, opportunities. So yeah, signing up with an Ingram is fantastic. Um, I would also say that 
um, you know, uh, entering into strategic alliances with other uh, vendors also important to us because uh, as an unknown quantity, it's, it's, it's a lot easier, not easy, a lot easier to um, walk into an opportunity and say, hey, you're using product X, here are the benefits of using product X combined with product Y. You know, as, as it, it, if it's a narrative that the security professional can really wrap their minds around, it makes the sale process that much easier and, and quicker because, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, companies are out there, they have initiatives to make sure that they are as buttoned up as they could possibly be. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not, you know, um, as a cybersecurity professional, it's always forward looking, right? You can't look backwards and say, man, I did a great job in 2020. Right. right? Uh, and it's like it, 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 it's irrelevant. Right. Because if you get hit or, some, you know, or, or or data leaks, you know, tomorrow, no one's going to remember anything in the past. And it, it's one of those positions, unfortunately, where it's asymmetric risk. Right. No one's patting you on the back and saying, hey, you weren't attacked today. Great job. You're, you're going to get this huge bonus. Right. <laughs> it's usually right. the opposite. It's like we were attacked. Why were we attacked? What did you not do right? You know, so it, it's a tough job. And you know, we feel for them and that's why, um, you know, our product in the marketplace is there to help them do their job. At the end of the day, that's what we do. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued and uh, when the consumer uh, version comes out, I'd, I'd definitely like to, uh, to, to check it out and try it out. Um, tell me about the name. Atacama. So yeah. it is, it's named after the Atacama Desert in Chile, obviously not spelled the exact same way. Atacama is spelled with a C. Uh, we spelled ours with a K. Uh, interesting origin story. Um, we were looking for names for the company. Um, and we, we had a name for the corporate entity, but for the product, we're looking for a name for the product to be specific. And, um, my co-founder and I, you know, we're pretty agreeable, right. When it comes to business and whatnot, you know, we challenge ourselves obviously, but pretty much agree and see eye to eye on a lot of things could not agree on names completely orthogonal <laughs> from one another, right. Just could not agree on names. And um, uh, he was traveling a couple of years back in the Atacama Desert in Chile, he and his wife. And, it, you know, as they're driving through this desert, they're both commenting on how beautiful it is, but how void of anything it is. And it kind of dawned on him that our software, there's some corollaries there, right? Because mm -hmm. our software is super elegant in its solution. And to the adversaries, we make it barren, right? We, we make, there's nothing there for them. And... Uh, he brought the idea back and he uh, he put Atacama up on the whiteboard. I came over, I erased the C and put in a K and he started laughing. He said, I knew you were going to do that. And that's because <laughs> one, you know, one of the things that I loved about names, I think the K in a name is a very prominent uh, letter. And, uh, you know, and luckily the domain was available as well for a relatively inexpensive amount, whereas Atacama obviously named out to the desert with the C is not available. So it worked right. out pretty well. And the other thing we learned quickly is it's super advantageous to have an, you know, a, a name that begins with the letter A. Because right. like Amazon and Apple, you usually come up first. So when you're listed in a right. webinar, your name is up there. So, you know, we're, we're quite pleased with the name, like its symmetry with the four A's and the K in the middle. So there's an actual story behind it. No, no, I, I, I like it. And uh, it's funny because, you know, you, you're talking about how you guys usually agree on everything except for 
the, the name uh, reminds me of uh, some of the discussions I had with my wife when it came to naming our children. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and interestingly enough, uh, with all, all of our three children, um, I'll have a, a K in their name. And, and the option was with all their names, it could have been a C or a K. And we opted for the K. I'm, my, I'm Mark with a K. And, you know, so it had to, we had to have that in there somehow. Um, awesome. and so, so yeah, but, uh, it also, to me, Atacama, um, I lived in Japan for about five years and, uh, it, it looks and sounds like a couple of different, uh, Japanese words. It's kind of an amalgamation. I mean, there's, a uh, um, <clears throat> Atami, which is head or, you know, uh, Atama, excuse me, head. Uh, and then there's some other words that are like Atatakai is hot and then there's Kama and there's, yeah, so there's all kinds of things there. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's a cool sounding name. Thank you. And it, it's funny. So the, 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 the few things that we did agree on with names, both of us, uh, do prefer Japanese sounding names. So it worked out really well in that regard. And what, what, what's funny, you reminded me when we came, came to, um, um, uh, to, we, we agreed on the name and told our engineering team, Hey, we're going to, we're going to name the product Atacama. Uh, one of the engineers said, "Oh, so we create a digital desert for the bad guys." So it, it worked out really. <laughs> Actually, that, that's well. great. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Dimitri, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, for anybody who wants to get in, in more information about Atacama, uh, or I mean, I don't know if you guys are doing any virtual events or anything like that. Um, where should they go? Where should they look? Absolutely. So our website, www.atacama with a K dot com. Uh, or they, they should feel free to email info at atacama.com and one of our team will definitely get back to folks. We do a 15-minute uh, lunch break uh, every other Thursday, so it's a great way to see the software in action. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we do live demos all the time for folks who are interested, so super pleased to uh, follow up with anyone who's interested. That's excellent. I, I will put links to your site uh, in the, the description of this episode. I've really, really enjoyed the conversation, and I wish you and the Atacama, uh, that's a mouthful there, the Atacama team, a, a great, uh, you know, end to our second half of 2021. Thank you so much. Really Take appreciate care. this. Bye-bye. Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance.